0: Hey everybody, this is Rich from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Kieran Coughlin of Obsidian Imagery. How are you doing, Kieran?
1: Not too bad. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, Stephen Lindsay of The Iron Parasite. How are you getting on? Very good, Steve. And Ken Coleman of Unreal Imagery. How are you, Ken? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah, great, lads. Welcome to the show. Um, I've been championing the art scene in the metal community for probably as long as the show has started, really. And I'm delighted to get you all on for this episode. So... We've got plenty to talk about and um, hopefully it'll be fairly interesting as well and it'll give the uh, viewers an insight into what you have to go through to get to the final stage of an art piece and to get it up for a band, be it a merchandising or an album or even just social media uh, sites as well, band websites, etc. So I suppose the first thing is we've spent the year last year Again in lockdown, how was it for you creatively? Maybe Ken, you could start with that one.
2: Um, it was a, it was a balance because I was at home. Let's say this time last year, I was at home teaching here, just in my desks, teaching online, remotely. Because uh, I teach third level in Mill uh, Digital Campus, teaching um, in game art, design, and animation. Okay. So we're teaching away, doing Photoshop uh, tutorials, three D modeling here. Uh, but it was the balance was my 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 little fellow was four was home as well. So he's over on the couch here watching YouTube. And if sometime, I went to the kitchen once, it was so funny. I went to the kitchen, and I came back, he had the earphones on, sitting on my desk with the drawing tablet pen in his hand and the webcam going, can you hear me? Do you know what I'm doing? And I'm t- trying to teach my class. You know, so I was like, he's on the right track anyway. I think if I can get him straight from Lego into ZBrush 3D modeling and we can bypass Roblox and Minecraft, Jesus I'll have him on 60 grand a week in a, in a game studio by the age of 15, you know, I'll be great. Yeah. He, he, he can teach me about NFTs, you know. Yeah. so. <laughs> but um, I don't know what it was like for Stephen and Kieran, but a lot of people came out of the woodwork who wanted to do things like write books, solo albums, mm. um, things that they had all put on the back burner for years and years and now they had the time They were like, oh, we need art for this and that and so forth, you know, but... Most of my time was teaching, but I did. Um, I got to do the artwork for Abaddon actually. Abaddon incarnate for their oh, new Nice CD.
0: One nice one.
2: So uh, I know Kunal is putting the final touches on the layout and you had all on on two. Was it two episodes ago? Correct. Yeah. So um, that was fun because, and I did for Ruin in the time, and that I, was amazing
0: I was, um, artwork on for Ruin. Oh, actually, thank you. Love and
2: that. Uh, that was a really quick one for John because like, he just needed something fast, so we we worked it up quite quick. And um, what was the other one? Uh, the Risen Dreads, uh recent single before the album. Night Hag is the album, but the recent yep. single uh, did the, the artwork on that one as well. And um,
0: Which one was that now? Was it? Um, oh, hell. God,
2: I'm sorry No, they are killing me the names after falling out of my head of the single. Um, but it, I, I, they showed me the Night Hag art, artwork. It was done hmm. by one of their Brazilian mates, and I kind of followed suit on the team. Okay. Um, but it was great. It was supposed for me to do the artwork for Abandon and for Ruin because. Um, Growing up in the metal scene in Ireland, I would have been first experienced them in something like the Day of Darkness in about 97, up in <laughs> Fort Leash, the crossroads. You know? Yeah,
0: circles, and, man, and, circles.
2: And people going, my God, that's the singer from primordial And you're like, oh, you know, and uh, the black metal scene was kind of in its infancy, but getting there in Ireland, at the time. the black de- and the death metal. So, uh, obviously, death metal was around a lot longer, but um, the black metal stuff, we'd really only heard of... Our, of um, primordial, and then getting there was a place in Limerick called Blackspot and was getting like the Waylander album and stuff like that. Um, and then seeing Abaddon and meeting and seeing Faroon, and then when we finally started getting gigs, if we started to work with the high school, uh here in Limerick and those kind of bands coming down, getting getting asked to do their artwork, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing! You know, thanks so much, guys. Yeah. And um, so that was that was that was one of the highlights anyway the lockdown for me was doing the artwork for those two those two items, you know.
0: Yeah, like you did work as well with the Limerick hurling prints, which was uh, very interesting. Oh
2: yeah, that was um that was a mad one. For about 10 years I've been doing kind of fantasy art based based on my city, kind of mythological stuff. Mm-hmm. And when Axel Foley passed away, I did a quick um I had my 3D renders ready and I did a print of a, a min, like I do these minotaurs but they've got stag's antlers rather than the head of a bull and I did put the number eight and he's walking into the, the team room of Toman Park and it's all a silhouette with lots of lights but one of my DJ friends here because um, I did a lot of social photography in Emmerich so I knew a lot of the dance scene as well I was the only guy in a dance club like Trinity Rooms in Imerick, where when the earbuds first came out listening to Lama God's new album taking <laughs> photographs of guys right in the middle of a rave like you know um, so it was nice to be quite distant from that scene but I knew all that anyway one of the DJs came along and he was working for 2FM and he put it on their Twitter and it went minted after oh. that so after that I started when Limerick won the, the 2018 I did the same thing and um, because they hadn't won the, the J, they hadn't won the All-Ireland in 35 years at the time so um, yeah and now it's just been put up as public art one of them uh, on uh, we've got electrical boxes here in Limerick City where there's a number of artists from Limerick or, or workers around the town. Like So myself mm-hmm. and my wife uh, both have our artwork
0: up yeah. in the city at the That's moment. Nice. nice. There's um, a few of them around Cork as well, those electrical boxes with graffiti on them, or just notice mm. them and some artwork as well, and Yeah, you saw them. Yeah, yeah. Mm, it's pretty cool. Yeah, some of them are really cool, actually. Yeah, it's a good idea, man. Like for Limerick and the hurling fan, I'd say it must be literally a showstopper for him just to see this on an electrical box. Um, have you got inquiries mm. from it since or did any of the Limerick hurling panel reach out to you right like
2: now? Um, I know one of my friend's dad's who has a small, they have, a small, um, they have an art gallery here in Limerick for and the, the mom, Anne-Marie, does uh, fine art painting and the, he runs a print shop. But The dad was trying to reach out to J.P. McManus for him to see it. Whoa. Um, uh, that was the 2018 one. But um, I know pe- people have bought them off me as gifts for Christmas, you know, yeah. and for their hurling, their dads and their buddies. The funniest story about it is I've lived in Limerick for 30 years. I went to school in Limerick for 30 years, but I grew up in Newport Town just outside New Limerick. And my dad worked in Limerick for 30 years. But well, you know what it's like now with hurling. He grew up <laughs> tip hurling. And when I put the picture up and I came home to the house with my brother-in-law who was pure limerick, my dad turned around and goes, fucking turncoat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus I have other people Christ.
2: inquiring going can I get one of those off you but can you change it to a temporary jersey or can you do it up with a clear armour and I'm like ah, no sorry lads can't be doing that you know it's uh... <laughs> So it's, fair, I, it's fairly
0: honourable now to be—I mean, because it's a, a quick kill there financially for you.
2: It could be, yeah, but for me, it's like it's exclusively Limerick and exclusively Munster when it comes to the Stags and the Warriors. Yeah. But I have done a similar—I I, I have done a similar one set of designs for Savannah Hurling Club in Savannah, in the States.
0: What? Jesus Christ! Yeah. That's interesting. So,
2: uh it's just it's basically going here, throw the Wexford colours on <laughs> it, it. And it was in put their logo, but I made sure to change up the designs quite a lot so that the limerick one stands alone mm. as its own thing, like you know.
0: Yeah. It's funny there because Steve, you have stuff as well. You're kinda doing kind of a project in relation to the Irish counties as well. You've Dublin and Wexford done.
3: Yeah. I, I was just thinking that it's it's one of these projects I kinda started and I'm like, I have to really finish it. Like I have like two or three, I think, up on my uh, social media stuff. I got. Uh, I did Wexford and Dublin first, because yeah. initially, originally from Dublin, but I've been living in Wexford now, probably close to twenty years. Like, so
0: uh, and they're brilliant. They really are cool.
3: Thanks, so. I think the idea I kind of had behind it was like you know, like every town in Ireland kind of has these like monuments and stuff. Like, mm. so there's uh, one in Wexford that I always liked. It's like the Pike Man. He's called, and he's in the the bullring in Wexford. So. I actually went down and like took a photo of him and I just, I changed his head to like, uh, I think it was like a, a goat skull head. And it was kind of like the idea I kind of got off. It was like, it was from my, I'm in a fencing group and it's called Goat's head. And I was like, ah, oh, sure. I'll make it kind of a little nod to that and stuff. And it's even funny in that one in the background, there's like, I, I like adding little silly things into my artwork sometimes. <laughs> But like, I don't make like it really blatantly obvious. But like, in a in the pile of skulls on the ground, there's like a little strawberry because like Wexford's kind of not <laughs> known for strawberries, so it's only a bit <laughs> up really if you look really closely we actually see it. Like, yeah, class.
0: And um, like, how have you been uh, coping last year with orders? And was it a busy year for you?
3: A bit, a bit of a weird few years because I think I I just started. out as, like, All right, I'm going to go self employed and. I had gotten an office space in town, and the first week I was there, I was like, ah, oh, this is grand, and then like, they kind of came in, like, uh, COVID's after hitting uh, Ireland now, so I started getting all these restrictions, and the reason I went into the office was like, oh, maybe you know, I'll meet a few kind of clients in here that would be like, you know, not heavy metal stuff, just kind of general graphic mm-hmm. design kind of thing, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, you can't you have to sit at all these separate desks you can't meet people you can't go into the lunchroom and all and it's kind of like oh jesus there's no okay. point in being in here so I, I went back home then
0: where are you based steve is it dublin or where
3: uh based in wexford oh wexford okay yeah and basically i went yeah i went through a bit of a weird phase where there was like there was literally nothing coming in but then like ken said there was a a lot of projects that are kind of popping up, I think, where people are like, you yeah, know, I want to do this for a while. And I ended up getting a few like weird jobs where it's just like, you know, like or some of my bigger jobs, even like, I got to do uh, two album covers for uh, Kurt Aldman. He does like, some mu- he composed music on uh, Game of Thrones, I think, and Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. So I was like, oh, classic.
2: Wow. Like, awesome, I didn't uh, know that, that's brilliant. Yeah.
3: And I got to do like two covers, so they were kind of like opposite of each other. So it was really cool, project like. And then recently, I think the start of this year, then as well, I got to do some artwork for uh, DJ Hyper, who he, yeah. you know his song off the the Cyberpunk trailer. I, like, if you heard the song, you'd probably know it. It's like, I looked on Spotify, there was like, you know, 20 million views on the song or something. I was like, oh, geez, he's actually. A, <laughs> big artist but it was funny even how i got that job there's another dj called Sardonic. i don't know if you know him no. he kind of like he's like a heavy metal dj kind of and uh i had done like some fan art of his like years ago because he wears this really cool mask and he was aware of my artwork but like i commented on just one of his uh posts and he obviously looked at my stuff and he's like "Geez, your stuff started getting really good and he just <laughs> he sent it on to him and then I got that job that way so I'm not having to get a few really cool jobs that way
0: but you've uh, been adding to your website as well you know just private stuff
3: kind of yeah I'm yeah. really bad for doing the social media and I think sometimes like sometimes I'll, I'll go through like phases of like mm. posting pretty regularly and then after a while I was like ah I'm kind of tired of
2: posting for a
0: while yeah congrats
2: yeah. um, congrats on the cover for a heavy music artwork masterpiece that's brilliant
0: yeah, oh, sorry,
2: I, I, rem- I remember when you yeah. started posting that in, in the metal design group and kind of going and trying this new stuff and you were trying out like being more detailed and patient and yeah, trying yeah. to do like a piece that took you months and months and there it is on the front
3: cover so yeah, um, it's it was mm. brilliant like, like you actually got one of your uh, artworks on one of the heavy metal books wasn't it, it was the Dark yeah, the-
0: the- um, wasn't it
3: yeah I have it here I I I, it was the devil book. I had this, I did this one,
2: um, Lucifero. Yeah. yeah. And it was mad because I only did that bit and then the publisher came along and said, I want to use yours on the cover so can you make it into a dust jacket? So I had to, I had to extend it all out and um, I had to do it quick. So actually, that's a macro photo of my bonsai tree. <laughs> right? And a couple of little treaty people and uh, some steps from around uh, Donegal somewhere or Dingle or something. So, Myself and Steve would always be making our own stock photography and sharing ideas in, in right. the You know, but actually Steve, do you know what you said there about the local, um, you gave me an idea, just, I don't want to cut you off too much, but do you know what you're saying about the local um, art and been inspired by local, like strawberry and, yeah. the local okay. artifacts like I'm just reading about the Pokon here and how that that statue up in Ennis Simon was banned. Oh,
0: yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and it
2: is it actually a brilliant statue. It reminds me of the scary fairy tales and Brian Froud and the dark crystal and all of that stuff growing up. The kind of art mm. that would inspire me. And the fact that a town banned it is like it's a kind of a like Father Ted episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you
2: know, um, and I think why don't we all just do a puck on? Like, just do something with that, all get all the the artists or or put it up on the metal designers. Everyone has to design this puck on in their style using their culture from a different country or whatever, you know. Mm.
0: I have one thing there between the two of you. For some reason, both of you were involved in cranberry artwork. What was that about?
3: Ken, you did something for them ages ago. Um,
2: What happened was I, uh. I went out to the Irish Chamber Orchestra and I photographed all the lads on the green screen and I did all their poster artwork for the Poland tour in 2016 and the Cancun tour in around the same time when we were getting back together. And um, I've been tipping away then. I I did artwork that uh, Noel sat me down one day in one of the pubs and said, would you do um, some artwork for the new album coming up? And that was Dolores' last album. So I was working away on it, but then um, somebody for marketing stepped in and they wanted to go with the original photographer who did the couch because there was a 20th anniversary year, I think, in there. Okay. And I remember I've been kind of going, oh, but like it's, it's one of the things that happens when we do this type of work. I've done artwork for two or three friends or businessmen who want to. There was a businessman in Dublin who wanted to do a book and he was a very, he was a big guru. He's pretty much, he said, names got on my head now. But, um, he was like Dragon's Den style business guru teach people. I did a cover for him see so what he loved it, but the marketing team steps in and they wanted something else. Okay. And there's a, a very good author here in Dan Mooney, who's onto a, maybe his third book. Now his first book was very successful. And, uh, I did the cover for his first book. And again, marketing, it was called me, myself, and I, I think, uh, God, he would kill me if he sees this. Anyway, um, Marketing stepped in again, and that cover nurse never saw the light of day. So, yeah, that just—it's just the way it is. But like, um, even I was just literally today fixing something for for one of the lads, uh, touch ups on some old photographs that are needed for a documentary or something. And I've done some filming in, in the, one of their studios for. Um, it was like for some extra director cut additional footage that would come bonus for a download on an album. Mm. Uh, but the most fun thing I actually did is they dropped me over a load of slides. And what happened was if you've ever heard of Andy Earls, he was a very he's a very, very famous photographer who has shot covers for Johnny Cash and Madonna. And they dropped me over a load of his slides. Now, we're, we're not talking small and negative. We're talking medium format, full-colour slides. Mm-hmm. And they were like, is there any chance you could digitise those because we need the artwork touched. We need these touched up. They're a bit cracked or torn because um, we want to use it. And it was the 1993 couch studio shots and the, the shots of the couch out in London. I still have them in a the drawer because I got to keep some as a souvenir.
0: Oh, class. Um, cool.
2: That was a couple of years back, but... Uh, they didn't think one could be done. So what I did is I actually got my light box, one of my studio lights, and put it down low. And I taped the the the, the negative the, the, onto the thing. And I I searched because it actually said on the film what type of film he used, the all the measurements of the film. I googled the film and I, I set my macro lens to the same settings and the camera down like this. And I set the, uh, the macro lens like that. And I use the settings on the the exact same settings as, as NDR is used on the photo and reshot them, put them straight into the computer and and fix them up and touch them up. and
0: Jesus, great idea. Re, yeah.
2: and to reconstruct parts clumbery, of the couch yeah. couch. Um, well, that's, you see, it's actually, if you have a macro lens, you'll get better images than if you try and scan an image. Because if like you guys know using a scanner, it can, picks up the material of the paper and you'll get all the dot matrix and stuff. Um print on it and stuff but re-photographing an image because that's what they used to do Pygmalion did that with all the Pink Floyd stuff back in the day they would shoot Pink Floyd they'd shoot the band members they'd shoot the stuff they need then they'd blow it up into like large former color photos and they'd just get out a really really sharp scalpel um exacto knife cut everything out precisely put it together put that back up on the wall and reshoot it
0: just like that, then, yeah. Fuck that it, was man. the
2: that was the pre Photoshop method to to do <laughs> yeah. photo montage, on all the old album covers, you know. Wow. So, we well, never think about it, like you know, because the digital yeah. technology's come along so much, it just makes it easy.
0: The, yeah. It was the Salvation cover you did, Steve. Was it? Was that just a submission for yeah. RT or something?
3: Yeah, there's a so like my my uh, story isn't as exciting. It was just there's was a, a competition on, and I just thought I'd enter because like it's like you know hopefully like they'll get it get shared if it if best case scenario gets picked. But uh, I just I did some artwork and I I kinda wanted to do something with a big harp anyway and I was kinda like, well it's like I think it was it was a lot of covers or something, I think that was what the actual album was, was people covering Cranberry songs and it was a, a whole compilation album. Okay. So I tried to do something more just like not generic but like I was like all right, I try to make a kind of Irishy looking album, man. It was only after i do done know. It was kind of like, this looks like it will be like Promoting Guinness or
0: something, you know? <laughs> I was but, thinking uh, kind of it would yeah. be a good postage stamp or something like that as well, you yeah. know? But the harp is cool. What about you, Karen? How's uh, last year treating you? You were busy enough with uh, bands and stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, ever since COVID hit, I flourished. <laughs> yeah. I actually had a great time like over mm. the past two years because like the lads were saying, you know, there's so much stuff that you put on the back burner for so long. Um, and you sometimes feel you're, you're never catching up with things. Um, so like I was out of work, I was like the office I was working in closed. So for literally about a year, I was just sitting around and I had all the time in the world to go through everything that I wanted to do, catch up with all types of things. So it was great. Like, I think the pandemic really badly hit people who didn't have hobbies, you know, people yeah. who's like yeah. likely, like whose lives revolved with like going out at the weekends and, you know being part of whatever, like, but I think people with hobbies just got deeper into them and you know, you're just able to expand on it a bit more. Um yeah. so yeah, like there was tons of stuff I was putting off and I I just I sat down and produced a lot of terrible work and then some all right stuff as well.
0: <laughs> I don't know if the lads are aware that you might just uh tell them the story about the work you did with Gray Stag and then the phone call from Steve was it or which one was it?
1: Yeah, I think it was they were just sending me um messages through facebook messenger or whatever but yeah mm. i think they, they had gotten in touch and asked me to do like a, a merchandise design for them but um yeah i think it was like a day or two afterwards they, they weren't sure you know we, we were just ironing out the details or whatever but yeah I, I, there was like a woods that i used to go to during the pandemic it's it's just kind of it was within the 5k limit or whatever like so i used to just go down there and just hang out in the woods basically like walking around uh for inspiration and things just for peace of mind as well, just to get away from everyone. But, uh, yeah, there was one day and I was there and I think it was Steve from Greystag. Yeah. He, he'd sent me a message just like finalizing the details, but like when I put my phone away, I looked up and there was a gray stag standing in the woods, just looking at me. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was just mental. Like, and I had my camera with me, like a DSLR camera. And I, I tried to get a photo, but he ran off through the woods. Like, but, uh, uh yeah, I just thought it was, it was just such a weird coincidence. Like <laughs> very strange. <laughs> it was yeah.
0: Cool yeah, imagine like as well as that too he collaborated with the Ashiri yeah. um, teacher yeah. there and that was pretty cool. What was that like? Was it up to yourselves in relation to, had you free reign in relation to design or pretty much yeah. Um yeah.
3: I mean, what's your man that uh kind of organizes Dara Dara, is, yeah,
0: from Horenda, yeah. yeah.
3: Um the mad thing about that was when I started up like I've seen a few people try to do this over the years where they're like, oh, we should get like a big collaboration album go- going. Mm-hmm. I've seen it like two or three times and it's usually like it starts up and then it just falls apart because too many people want to do too many different things. So, uh, fair play to like Darif actually, like he just was like, right now, he, he set times and dates and he's like, this yeah. is when this has to be done. This is when this has to be done. And I remember I seen him pop up on Facebook somewhere and I was just like, oh, I'd love to get involved in the art. And I think, uh, might even been colin boulder was already involved maybe or and mm-hmm. i think it's spoken to yourself here and about um possibly doing like a collaboration image sometime or something yeah and so it was really cool because like, I, I spoke to colin about this as well so it was the three of us ended up collaborating then and i think we all kind of just d- decided amongst ourselves i think wasn't it, it Was uh, i think colin was kind of like the the art director kind of wasn't he? he was kind of just like right keeping us on top of things and Mm. uh, you you end up yourself you're the the illustrator then and i kind of took on the the graphic design role so i ended up doing the the logo and putting all together so i think colin actually did the the border wasn't it yeah yeah Yeah. and pretty much i think think it it was
1: it was great though because like i think all of us went into it with the like, none of us wanted the limelight, you know? Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like, this is going to be my image or this is going to be whatever. And here I'm taking over or whatever. All three of us were like, none no, you go us. ahead and do this. No, <laughs> no, you do that. No, you do yeah. that. And it's like, until, until like someone had to just go, like, all right, like, this is how it's going to be. And like, it, yeah. it came together really fluidly as well because there was no pressure, there was no hassle. Like, mm.
0: yeah. Yeah that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll just throw it out to you there. Influences is, is an obvious question to ask you. So I kind of want to get it out of the way early. Growing up, had you specific artists or what made you want to pursue your kind of art in particular way? Would it be Photoshop or just actually hand drawings and stuff? And if you want to take that?
2: But let's just start with Don Conroy and Mary Fitzgerald. Where would we be without them, like, you know?
0: (laughs) Grew up drawing the owls on.
2: Yeah, I actually asked Don Conroy multiple times on Facebook to send me a WhatsApp it because I'm friends with him. I was like, send me a a headshot on WhatsApp because I actually want to turn him into an owl, you know? So (laughs) just for... (laughs) I put Don Conroy in a dead metal album cover for someone in Ireland, like really kind (laughs) of... And it's like Don Conroy as an owl. That would just have such significance for people going up in the 80s. (laughs) Um for me Frank the actually it wasn't Frank Franzetta, it was the He-Man box art from the eighties, um, off the toys. And right. because that was that was influenced by um Frank Franzetta. And I remember um, my uncle getting me into Whitesnake and just all oh, that album artwork from the eighties, mm. seeing covers like Rush, um and not even knowing what it is because you're a kid, but just going, Oh, like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um I I I like Steve, what is, you're I'm a bit older than the two of you, am I I'm pure, because I was born in 1980, so, um, mm. just, yeah, I remember seeing the first visuals of, like, MTV and uh, always been interested in graphic design. Um, also been very interested since from a young age in very bad graphic design, as in, when you didn't have Photoshop, what your local village or town would have horrible posters and you're kind of going,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's that
2: like, <laughs> you know?
3: And I've actually had... The
0: power has, yeah, of the photocopier, huh?
3: I had an idea, I never went ahead, but you know the, the bad graphic designer, you'd see it in any town, like even I live out in the countryside, sometimes you'll see like little signs like where it's like, you know, eggs for sale. And I was like, I'd love to just go around and like design a poster and then just like stick it on top of it and run off and don't tell them. Oh, i be like, the, Robin, like, the
2: Robin Hood graphic designer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, there's um, every time, before the lockdown, driving down to Flamel one of the lads uh, who teaches with me, Now he did, painting he knows it. he teaches craft design me and we're looking at all the show band posters for the hotels and I'm always going Jesus Christ the cringe of show band posters the whole we're not even talking good big Tom album covers we're looking at the cheesiest stuff and he did so usually
0: to... all they are is just a fucking photo with just yeah, the logo. That. That's it isn't he,
2: it? he did explain <laughs> to me like um, you, can, you can't change that and you'd be the same as we can't turn you can't do well some metal bands will do the opposite like I love the pink unicorn t-shirt that just says death metal but um, you can't change it because the the demographic in probably in their 60s and 70s understand that that's the artwork for their favourite music so if you mm. change that and you try and make it nice and change it up they're, they're not going to know that that gig is for a big Tom cover band or or Jim Reeves special edition Saturday night thing you know like 10, ten them my
3: mansfield on tour they're not going to know it you know mm. and um, the weird thing is as, as well and all that stuff sometimes there is like good elements in bad design i think yeah. or you can actually learn from yeah
2: i have <laughs> i have eight of my mother's um vinyl records in a drawer in climb so when i because i do layout for album cover design as to teach my students how to do a, an album cover And Mm -hmm. the project this year is you have to take a genre of music which they picked and you have to cross-pollinate and juxtapose it against an existing video game or a Netflix animated TV show, right? So they might take Death Metal and mix it with um, some mad cartoon, you know? But I gave them the templates for a CD cover and a vinyl cover so they understand the basics of InDesign. And -hmm. then the next project is actually action figure and toy packaging and game design packaging. Uh, so they had to design all the templates themselves. But when I'm showing them vinyl records, I take out my dad's Dolly Parton. <laughs> um, uh, and what else do I have? I have Jim Reeves, Chris Christopherson. And I have, uh, oh, his name fell out of my head. I have some Irish artists who were real kind of pre-Daniel O'Donnell.
0: Joe Dolan going... and those, like.
2: Not Joe Dolan. I can't remember his man's name now. But um, <laughs> basically, when they were going through their polo neck Beatles stage, so they mm-hmm. had the, the Beatles haircuts with the polo necks. Yeah. And you know, when you see the memes, the murder memes, where your man's looking off into the distance with the,
0: yeah.
2: the, the American portrait, but then he's wearing the Kung Fu outfit faded in. Do you remember those ones? Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's, <yeah. got> <laughs> it, he's sitting under a tree like this, um, all really pensive. And in the other photo, he's looking off in the distance with the polar neck. Mm-hmm. And my students are, they're all in their 1920s and they're laughing their asses off at this. And I was like, lads, that's pre photoshop design. Yeah,
0: but you I mean, know, you, um, you only have to look at the scratch then to bring it back to being cool, which couldn't get a yeah. rat's that cover where they're all wearing the iron jumpers. Do yeah, you know, I, the
3: metal band, the Flanders guys, uh, looking at the photos of them,
0: <laughs> you
3: know? Yeah, um, I just some of the, the older stuff as well as how they did it. Like, just even when you're saying about influences, like... It just popped into my head there, like I think one of the biggest influences I had early on and like, as a kid was the old black and white King Kong movie. And, like, like, oh yeah, my grandmother had recorded it on like video for me, so anytime I was over at our house, I just watched it over and mm. over. Like, and even yeah. I got it on DVD recently. I was watching, it and I was like, I was like, some of the stuff I'm looking at, I was like, jeez, you know the part when he's like picking up the log and shaking them all off? Yeah. Like? I was reading about how they did it, and it's like they they basically animated king kong obviously doing it but then they had like a crane lift the log up i think and like it's actually projected the animation was like projected on a big sheet behind it and i was just i was like that's just daily how they did that like mm.
2: and now <laughs> they're doing that now with the Mandalorian. when you think about it to gone past green screen back to that technique practical with the-
1: effects yeah it's the same yeah. with like dune as well like the way they're like shooting everything on location no green yeah. screens
2: well, yeah. I love the element. I, I've been down to the studio here in Troy Studios in Limerick, the Odyssey Studios here in Limerick, which is the special effects guys. And some of the guys who worked there started out in doing the practical effects for Dublin Comic Con and they got into the cosplay and they learned about the silicone the resin. And now they're supplying that stuff to the guys. The guys down below for Foundation, the Apple series... And I can say this because it's on YouTube. Um, I had to sign an NDA for Disney when I walked in. They let me use the 3D scanner, the large format one for some of my own work. Because my, my own 3D scanner only does small objects. But um, uh, they showed me the ships from Foundation and they are basically 3D models in ZBrush by the concept artist sent to Limerick, 3D printed like model kits, put together, painted by the lads, shipped over to Troy Studios and filmed with practical effects because they wanted the old-school way of doing things. So practical effects came in massively in that. So I was just looking at these spaceships down below, and went, oh, it's the best toy shop ever, you know? And then one of the guys <laughs> goes, there's a the box now, prosthetic hands, and there's all these decapitated hands that they were used on Vikings and stuff. And then there's someone, people are like, how are you getting on down to the studio? I'm just like, blah, 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 with these prosthetic hands, like, in a big box, you know? Um, it's oh, it's brilliant. Like to see, I was very inspiring because um, to be able to talk to the students about, like, yeah, do, do you know that spaceship there? Yeah, that was that was made in Limerick. And mm. shot. There, there's the Hotel Factory. That's where they made that show. You know, yeah,
0: it's nice. do you know,
2: Stephen, when we're in the other groups, because like, um, one of the groups, myself and Stephen, is in, is run by Dean Samet. Now, Dean did, uh was in the metal scene doing artwork for years, and um, he runs this uh, the third biggest Photoshop channel now on YouTube. And yeah. he's bringing a girl from Newfoundland called Renee Robbins and Renee uh, shoots Phil Anselmo. Now, like, okay. she just recently did So we're like, whoa, Phil Anselmo. And then we're like, and then they're going, yep, yeah, there's, there's, see that old Dell factory there? I'm doing this, a, a selfie video while I'm walking down the back of the University of Limerick and there's Dell now and that's where the shot Foundation, you know, and just kind of like it's so unassuming. Yeah. Look, you know, um, but um, that's one of the great things about those groups actually, Stephen, wasn't it? Just meeting all those yeah. people.
0: You know, what about you, Karen? Influences?
1: Uh Jesus, I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of all over the map when it comes to like my background would have been fine art. You know, like mm. I went to college, like doing art and design and specialized in painting. Um, so like from that perspective, uh like one of my favorite artists ever is a guy like, called Ian Francis. Um he's a painter based out of Bristol and Like his work is just, I I can't, there's no way you can describe it really. It's like he paints kind of dream sequences and just like completely made up events. But like the, the references that he uses are just like, he'll take imagery from TV programs, like, like porn or anything like, but he'll like make an image that looks like it's digitized. So you don't actually know what you're looking at or how he even started. He's a mixed media artist as well. So like, it looks like a digital image, but it's, he's painted it. But um, in terms of like what I'm doing now as well, like uh, I, I don't really know. You know, there's I kind of glean things off people here and there, and there's not there's no one kind of major influence that I have. Um, because like I've been hopping between doing like the kind of simpler, more like crosshatched or like stipple kind of dot work, and then like going back over to like traditional painting as well. Like I've done two album covers there. In the past year for bands i think i think one of them was released the other one still to come out but um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know like i i, I jump between styles i think i think yeah, like an awful but thematically,
0: lot thematically a lot of it is kind of pagan and yeah occult kind of stuff yeah uh, a lot of would it you would
1: think be that f- um and again like that's just um i i just got again it was just more so during the pandemic uh i just started reading a lot of different stuff like Manly p hall and uh like a, a lot of different books, like Damien, uh, what was his name? Damien Eccles. He was part of the, was it the West Memphis Three or something? He was like accused of murder and put on death row and went through like becoming a ceremonial magician while he was in prison and got <laughs> released from death row. Then wrote a book. Uh, so like I just kind of found all that really fascinating. I just kind of went a bit down looking through all the kind of occult stuff. But uh, yeah, it's again like there's no one fixed thing that I'd kind of be concentrating on. I kind of jump around a
0: lot. But that's good anyway, you know, that you're not confined to one, we'll say, team or so people can approach you for, for various ideas. Yeah, that's but it- at the same time,
1: it, it's a, it is a bit like, it's a bit difficult as well, because if you don't have a solid structure or style or whatever, like people can get lost. Like I Like a lot of the stuff that I've done recently in the past year or two years like i'm looking back to that now going like i hate that like there's a lot of okay. a lot of merch designs that i've done for bands that i'm like I, I can't even look at it anymore i'm just like i know i'm better than that like you're only as good as the last piece you've done anyway but like yeah, i think okay. you, you're always evolving as an artist like you're always it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it you're, you're always mm-hmm. like improving on your own style and how you go about doing things so like even just for a few months down the line, I'm like Jesus. I could have done way better than that, and mm. you know.
0: It strikes me as well, Steve. But you, what kind of techniques do you study and admire? It seems you're developing constantly as well.
3: Uh, I'd say with my style stuff, anyway. Um, three kind of biggest inspirations on me were uh, one was uh, H.R. Giger. Uh, you know, he's everyone kind of knew, you know, knows who he is. He designed Alien and. Then there's Dave McKean and he did a lot of like Fear Factories album covers and uh, mm. Machine Hair stuff like that. And Did then, Dream Theater too, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, I Actually, there's an image I did recently for a Swedish band that I, I took a bit of inspiration from that, you know, where he has the kind of whole collage of all the, the yeah. folk faces. Metropolis uh, Part 2, yeah. yes. Yeah, so, so I was wanting to do something like that. Uh, so I basically got, the, the band I think wanted something, something to do with like serial killers and stuff and so I spent ages just like finding loads of pictures of just you know crazy people and basically made a collage of all that and kind of blurred them out because I you know they didn't want it to be like you know like they're celebrating them or anything like so it was was one of those things where it's kind of a bit of a a touchy subject in a way so you're trying to make it like uh respectful in a way I suppose and but yeah then I think Who's the other artist? It's uh, Seth Serial Anton, his name is. I think he's the bassist out of Septic Flesh. Oh,
1: yeah. He's he, does
3: all, he does all their album covers and stuff. And how I found him was actually, just one of my favourite bands, Cybreed, they're called, and he did their album covers as well. Isn't and he a minister as well?
2: I think governmental...
3: Something like that. Yeah, he's a local council or something. Yeah, but he's, he's a... I just, I love his artwork. It's just mm. it's so bizarre. Like he just, he does weird things with, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, that's like just a, a paint splash or something coming out, but looks like really horrible or something. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, yeah and the same as here. And I have, I have loads of influences. Like I could go on about him for ages. Like I suppose the other two big ones would be, uh, I, I read the book Dune there when I was in college. And like that, after I read that that was just like jeez, this is like a, a Bible for fucking ideas. Like mm. and then the other bi- biggest influence on me would be uh, the band Lordy.
0: Oh uh, yeah. You've you done know. a bit of work for them. Yeah. I
3: I I have done I've I've just I've kind of done based on, okay. art based on some of their songs. Just, um they like yeah they won the, the Eurovision in two thousand six and they're one of these bands they're really like cheesy and <laughs> But I just love him and like it's even the the, the singer of the band like he d- does all their artwork he does all the production he records he he makes all the costumes and I just I, I find it mental that he's able to do all that and even like the last year they released it was like seven albums so Jesus <laughs>
2: Christ
3: and I, they're, they're my favourite band as well so I'm like you know seven albums to listen to and I was like oh Jesus this is seven albums mental. yeah and I was like, uh, at first when Jesus I heard like, that, I was like, I was hoping, I was like, I hope they're not all crap or like just mundane or anything, but they kind of range from like, it's like, this is some of their best music they've ever recorded to like just one or two albums. I'm it's like, that's eh, not really my thing, but it's kind of what they intended to do because they were kind of trying to do a lot of different styles. So it was,
0: yeah. was kind
3: of like naturally going to happen that, that they'd get that way. And um, even just, it was the band Lordy, like, they have us that's, you know, the my R-page name is the Iron Parasite and that actually comes from a Lordy song. That's uh, one of the lyrics, like, so, they're <laughs> like, one of my, my, my biggest inspirations. Like.
0: And you were saying about He-Man, like, is some of your work informed by certain concepts or themes from your childhood, maybe? Or is it just oh, that? Um,
3: I, I think I've
2: kind of come to a stage because I cross-pollinate between metal and a lot of the stuff I'm doing at the moment is pop culture. Like, I actually got to do the I did the book cover for Mark Taylor's autobiography. He's the guy who created He Man. Yeah. Um, Whoa. <laughs> as the hit cover, I'm I'm involved in a new action figure toy line with his. He, Mark passed away last month, um, but I'm actually involved in redesigning one of his last prototypes for the, a, a toy line with his wife. Is that BattleTech? Is it? No, I, I work with BattleTech as well. I do. I work with Catalyst Games doing artwork for BattleTech. Um, out there, uh, they're in Seattle, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's a lot of pop culture stuff at the moment. Like I'm rebranding PowerCon, um, which was a, is a toy, um, it's a toy uh, convention in the states. It actually was the He-Man convention, but it's evolving into something bigger. So I've been working on a rebrand on that recently, and uh, yeah, I do uh, I do a lot of pop culture stuff. It just starts to happen when I. I was doing my own stuff. And then I got approached by a, a, a Spanish He-Man magazine once, because I, I, I used the, the pop culture 80s stuff, like building models and then 3D scanning them or, or messing with a lot of mixed media, with digital media. And, and I, I use my favorite things to learn a technique. So uh, if I wanted to learn how to cast stuff in silicone, I was casting my action figures. I wanted to learn macro photography. I was taking my toys out to the woods um, lighting it using LED lights versus flashes action figures stuff like that but then the experiments became the work and people wanted it for different reasons so um, yeah I've just been using like broken toys and different things and I remember seeing a lot of it in Photoshop magazines a long time ago guys um, using miniatures and I always was influenced by the miniature design for Weather Workshop for Lord of the Rings and of course Star Wars and ILM and how they use miniatures and Kit, um, myself and Stephen do what's called a lot of kit bashing, and kit bashing now is where you just take random objects in three D and you make something new from them. Okay. And kit bashing in the old days was basically when they wanted to make ships for Star Wars, they bought loads of model kits, took them apart, and saw what would fit together, and just concepted, I uh, conceived ideas from that.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and I don't know. Um, have you ever seen there's uh, there's an Instagram? Uh, he's on Instagram, but I, the artist name. Escapes me. He's a dude who like takes photographs of like everyday objects, like hair dryers or like just things like that, or or tall mm. posters or whatever. And then he'll re redesign it as a concept into like a, a space freighter or something oh, like, that, so like saw a, that. But I don't know it is, but... Yeah, oh, that's the great
2: really, thing.
0: Really interesting, actually.
2: Yeah, taking random objects and and trying to make something new out of it. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. In relation to your material, Kieran, like I think the lads are more advanced in in their pursuit with, with using kind of new technology? Um, are you more old school as such? Would you like to kind oh, of... Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I I just like pen and ink, yeah. um, pencil, pen and ink, basically. Mm. Um, that's, that's basically what I do. Uh, just I try and do as much of it that way as possible. But like every now and then I'll use like vectors or like br- some certain brushes and stuff like that just to put elements in behind and I, I color things digitally that's pretty much it but yeah. um i generally would like work f- with paper and then scan it in at like 600 dpi so and then just like get to work and cleaning it up in photoshop yeah
0: it's so easy nowadays for bands to record albums at home and stuff is the digital artwork technology really kind of user friendly these days, or is are actually way more technical lads it's-
2: it's just a nice edge because I'm thinking of doing a PhD on it called um, The Virtue um, Instant, Satisf- Instant Satisfaction Versus The Virtue Patience I'm sure the other lads will have this as well where someone will go <laughs> I'm sure I could just do that on filter on in Instagram and you're like you know, like the like Photoshop is one button. That's what they think. You know, and uh, yeah. <laughs> the make art button. Yeah, make art button. <laughs> and we have to put up with the new AI systems where people can just AI like pick three or four images on Google and it makes surreal art. Or um, people like we. Some of us in the groups. There's other countries where there's great designers, but they have a lower cost of living, and they are on forums like Fiverr where they will do your logo for for five euros and um, you know, uh, the, the, you're up against all of that as well. And it is because people go, sure, you just did that in a computer, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they don't realize that there's money, there's there's equipment, but there's 20 years, well, for me, over 20 years of experience um, with different, like, because I studied in art college in Limerick, I did print and I also did a degree in sculpture and a master's in tech in interactive media. So... I always I paint my own textures on by hand. My my clouds are still painted on huge acrylics and photographs. So you need to know how to use a camera. You need to know how to use um, you know, and then translating three D models from a scanner to to like that was this has been painted in procreate over three D models to look like it was hand painted. You know, and mm. um, so there's a lot of reversing of technology to make technology look like it's not technology. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and Steven, like Stephen's last cover there for Masterpieces, if you've seen that. How long
3: did that take you, Stephen? Six months? Uh, to, uh, I'd say, like, actual time. Like, usually when I, when I do artwork, uh, it takes me about five, six hours to do, but I think I spent, like, three or four times the amount of time yeah. on that one. But I had, like, started, like, sketching that, like, a year previously and just let it sit there. Mm-hmm. And then it was just cut, like... There's loads of elements of like it's all all this like ornate stuff. So I was like, I I bought this like photo pack online of all these. It was just someone taking thousands of photos of like ornate stuff, and they're obviously in like one of these like uh, mansions, and they just took photos Mm -hmm. of everything. So I spent yeah, remember When like Facebook was down one day, it was like it was off off for like 24 hours, and I I was working on some stuff, and I was like, I I can't actually do any work because I can't get back to him to ask him. So I started. Cut, I, I had like I, I was cutting these out for like five hours. I was just sitting there, like cutting them all out, all these little bits. And then, you know, I had all the bits cut out. Then that took ages. And then, yeah, just putting them all together, I see, like kid bashing and away with photos. Like, I I spent I, I spent ten months on Morbid Angels. Yeah, hmm. That's so, meant, Like I, I remember the reason I cut them out was. Like normally, usually when I make an artwork, I kind of need to start with new elements. But then I was just like, I want to do more stuff with these. So I was like, I may mm-hmm. start cutting bits out and saving them that way. Now in the future, if I ever want to do something with ornate things, I was like, I should have a whole like... Yeah, you never throw of, them away. A you're, oh, you're, whole, whole folder of stuff. Out. Yeah. Like 14 terabytes of
2: unfinished Photoshop layered work that I always yeah. go back to for someone else. Yeah,
3: I, 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 I was using it. what's great about Photoshop. and This is what's so handy about using Photoshop is sometimes you'll have like a band will ask you. It's like, oh, can can you do like an image? And they'll send you like one of your old artworks, and you're like, can you do it something like that? And you're like, I still have that Photoshop <laughs> file, so you can yeah. you can do the artwork. and You can just literally like grab a lot of the layers and it's like mm. you, know, you chip off like you know nearly two or three hours worth of work because you're like, well, they wanted that color and that look, so you can kind of like apply a lot of it. You do have yeah. to, like, reconfigure them and all that, uh, all mm. the photos. sometimes. What's, but-
2: well, what's nice about what you just said is when people come to you for that piece of work because they want your style. Mm. And I don't know what it's like to you, because you're more in the fine art stuff, but when you get into Photoshop, and this comes back to Richie's question about the tech, is when you get into Photoshop first, if you want to work with your local bands and stuff, what happens first is people go, you're good at Photoshop, aren't you? And you're like, yeah, and they go, well we, we want to sound like Oasis, so can you make us your camera, you make us look like Oasis and make the cover look like Oasis. And for ages then you're just the jack of all trades because you're going to Photoshop making bands look like the band they want to be. And but mm. well, then eventually someone comes along and you're doing your own stuff in your own style, like Stephen was just saying there, and cutting stuff up and making your own your own experiments. I, I know I spent a lot of lockdown doing that, just going back to the drawing board trying to find a person's style, upgrade it. Mm come bring in new artists, new influences, new techniques. And I remember it was, um, it was actually Steve Tucker from Warfather. Because he was living in Cork for a while and he met my buddies for in UCC and they showed him my website. He's the first person ever to ask me for my own stuff in 2011. He goes, no, I want your style. He didn't go, Do you know, uh, this? Uh, th- these guys look like this, make us look like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Has that happened to you guys? Have you had that experience of people wanting to be... um? emulating somebody else and because you've
3: got the tech right. to that that's what you do. What's funny is like sometimes when I'm doing, when I get com- commissions, like sometimes I'll, I'll, to get a better idea of what they want me to do, I'm like, can you like send me some artwork, like even my artwork or just and you like, just send me like a load of art that you like, the look of, not for me to like, mm. copy around, but sometimes you, they'll, they'll send you like 10 pictures and you're like, right, in about seven of these pictures, they're black and white and in another seven, they have, like a butterfly and I was like do you want a black <laughs> yeah. one with a picture of a butterfly and you like yeah it, sometimes it's hard for them to just communicate it but like yeah. I, I did have one recently it was funny um, someone had sent me your art Ken nice. I was like, oh. okay. but like they had sent me a few like different ones but like one of them I was just sitting there I was like that's one of Ken's
2: I have to send you a picture I took in class Stephen do you know the the death book the Heavy Music Artwork book. Mm. I gave one of my students is into debt metal, that book for his album cover. And when I talked past him, he was looking at your work. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, I was there, I took a sneaky photo over his shoulder of my student in class researching you for his project. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's good.
0: (laughs) Financially investing equipment to get that artwork out. How crazy can you go with it?
3: Oh, Here's the funny thing is sometimes... You end up laughing at yourself doing it because you're like, all right. you know, I need a good computer and I need a drawing tablet and I need the software and I need a good digital camera. And you're spending like, you know, hundreds or even thousands of euros. And then you're like, Right, and what, what you know, doing all this and it's like to make it look like a drawing on paper. Yeah. And you're like, I should have just fucking got a box. Yeah.
2: <laughs> if, yeah, if only I stayed in drawing instead of being home over from Costello's on a, on a Tuesday morning, I wouldn't have to spend 10 grand making it look like a drawing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, sometimes you end up like doing stuff where it's like, when you, when you step back and look at it, you're like, I could have done this very cheaply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of depends. Like, um, Honestly, that's why I just stay doing this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like I, I, I could go down that route. Like, and I have tried, like, I, I love, I love messing around with Photoshop. I've done a lot of digital artwork, but um, I, there's something just about the, the physical aspect of it. I, that I just love, I think it's just in the creation of the work itself. Like uh, the work is, is almost like the creation itself. And once I'm done, I'm just like, okay, on yeah. to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But like, I know like with digital art as well, there's there's so, so many possibilities. But like the lads are saying as well, you know, you're in an age now where years ago you you would have had to learn all that stuff like day by day by day by day, whereas you could sit down now at it, look up a tutorial on YouTube to mm-hmm. how to do something really specific. um, And then, you know, you can build on that and build on that up until mm-hmm. you're a master at, at your craft, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah. I tell my students that they're, um, I'm like, what age are you? And they're said, I'm 20. And I said, well, I'm 41. You are technically... 15 years ahead of me, at least, in experience of this work. And they go, what do you mean? He goes, well, when I was 20, I didn't have YouTube. I didn't know what a Wacom tablet was. We had the old 98 Max in college, Mm. and you had to queue for those. I discovered Photoshop on Erasmus in Sweden. And I actually only went to Sweden because it was the only country I could find where all the death metal was and so you know i want to be and just hanging out wearing flame and i saw loads of bands and stuff but uh, one of the guys sat me down and i had an acrylic painting done of a dragon and he went scanned it into photoshop and showed me how to change colors and that's blew my mind Mm. you know um but a kid now will go argos drawing tablet 70 bucks cheap laptop or uh, some of my students have the ipad air which is 600 quid with procreate and i have that in class and um They've been watching tutorials and Facebook and uh, YouTube and Twitch and uh, everything since they were three or four. Yeah,
0: tutorials. You know, com-
2: or... hmm. I have, I, have stu- I had a student two or three years ago, and when she started first year, she had 179,000 followers that went up to a quarter of a million by second year and now works for Marvel.
0: Jesus Christ. It's insane. You know, what
2: she, was doing? she was doing creative media, and um, some of them are just phenomenal for their age, you mm-hmm. know? It's kind of sickening,
0: but... Yeah. um Then you've the likes of me, then, that qualified as a graphic designer in 1998. Myself and another guy called Lar Fraser. Did you? He's... Um, Didn't open, know that. Yeah, did it in Dublin. And the two of us left qualified, uh, Lar's and a load of fucking bands um, in Dublin. He's a well-known figure. Uh, I'm sure all we did was talk about music and did fucking as many CDs as we could. And yeah. we did. And that's what you're saying. We had to use some acts and stuff. So when we graduated then... Um, trying to get work was nearly impossible, and the pay was shit as a graphic designer. So I landed a part-time job with Guinnesses, and there was around eight or nine graphic designers with that that were way different level to me. And mm. that that contract ended, and then I fucking ended up in Lisney as a graphic designer, and all I was doing was fucking putting hoses on the frames and putting <laughs> the prices up, and I just left it. You know, Cork and- Express. Yeah, exactly. Quark <laughs> Express. <laughs> Fuck me. That's it. Uh, uh, so no, that was it. I, I could, I could never funny. afford um, yeah. <clears throat> the equipment Rang after that because I had to get work.
2: One of my lecture buddies who's been in the art college for 30 years told me he was doing graphic design in Limerick. His wife was teaching in graphic design in the art college. Goes, would you come in and teach a class next week But in Quark? He went to phone the guy out near Shannon Airport who had the tutorials on VHS. <laughs> and he went and borrowed them and took them home and learned Quark over the weekend so he could go in and teach them one in <laughs> the morning inside the art college. And we are there going, a student going, um, yeah, Ken, that technique there you did with tools and ZBrush, uh, I found a guy who's better graph on at, at, at my, at my iPad and you're just like oh that's great Jack can you show me that and you come up here uh, but no I actually do that I get them to go you show us it's called Flip Classroom it's great they do all the work you know <laughs> but uh, yeah the, I love that Quark story
3: though but to VHS, yeah. that's just yeah. insane actually, funny enough like I studied uh, graphic design as well I, I had initially gone to our college and I didn't really like art. I, I did. I did like an art portfolio course, and I loved that. When I went into art college, I was just like, "This is crap." It wasn't what I wanted to do at all, because it was more the kind of fine art where they're just like, throwing stuff mm. together. But I, I was. What was good was I, I dropped out of college, and then I did like a ten-week Photoshop course, and then that's like what sent me on to doing graphic design. And then I studied graphic design. Uh, up in Waterford, and it was it was the same thing. We we had a class where we actually had to do Quark Express. Funny enough, like, and I can't remember why they were teaching it, like, but we only had one class of it, like, or, or a few classes of it or something. And it was just like, everyone in the class was like, yo, I've been doing Photoshop for a few years before I went there and all, and using InDesign and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's just it's like, like going back to the dark room when you're used to
2: digital photography, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is kind of cool doing that, though, because, like, I. I majored in photography and all, and like so, we actually did do a bit of the, the film developing, film and all that. So it's it's interesting to know the kind of history of all that stuff as well.
2: It really does open, um, gives you a full appreciation because um, I studied black and white photography. There was no digital when I started our college yeah. in '98. Whether what we we didn't have the cameras, it was just too expensive. You know, yeah. nobody would have had them back then. Um, yeah, I did all the filming, and, and re- when you do get into digital, to have an SLR, it really makes you appreciate like how it helps you with your work now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but then it comes back to the same point Richie made about Photoshop, because everyone's just out now with a phone just going, should I do it myself? Yeah. You know?
3: Mental. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny, though. you know, Go on, sorry. You just on about, like, college as well. Like, like one thing I was shocked at, like, when I went into art college was the amount of people who couldn't draw. Like, they just did not have the (laughs) basic, like, honestly, they didn't have the basic skills involved in, like, be just being aware of you know objects or whatever like are just able to 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 put things down on paper like the amount of people who came out still unable to draw still <laughs> but they were able, but they're able to talk about art and like yeah. they were the people who succeeded because they were like they could literally just like fuck something onto a piece of paper and stand in front of a class for like 20 minutes explaining what it is and why it's important and how you yeah. should look at it and what how you should feel and all that and i'm just like what the fuck like you know That's it's, exactly it's that, nothing Not that, you just I,
3: explained the reason why i fucking left our yeah yeah I,
1: like i i I, I, I got so disillusioned like i went i went through with it like for four years like and graduated and everything but like i still have that same relationship where like I know, like, it's all subjective. Everything, it's all completely subjective. What you like, someone else isn't going to like, blah, blah, blah. Um, like, there's the whole modern art, like, some of it I can't get my head around because if you need someone to explain to you why it's good, then I don't see the point Oh, yeah, of it. then it's not anyway, good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it's funny what you said there because um, I've been a, I have been was approached after a CEO day showing off how to use Photoshop. I, I, have, I was approached by a couple of departments who were... Kind of eventually, they've come around to say, "Look, um, is there ways that people can learn to, to teach Photoshop to art teachers in the leaving circle? Because more and more students are coming in with this, and they want procreate, and they're the artists of the future. And if they come in and they're saying that they're all their influences are coming from pop culture, uh, my students don't know, never seen Forest as come. So that makes me feel very, very old." But they, um, all, their, all their influences are from pop culture now, right? And I came through that same experience of not liking art college for the re- at the time for the reasons that uh, you just explained, that someone who can- doesn't have a technical skill but can talk about art is getting the better marks. I did have a great, great kind of take the chip off the shoulder moment when I was in Limerick. when one of my pieces was, I don't know what happened, but something I did was quite successful for some reason. And I was in a bar and a guy who came up to me who um, got like a distinction and a H1 top marks out of the art college, but I'd never seen him do art. He was working in a bookshop and he was a bit drunk and he was really just rude and arrogant about blah, 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 about whatever I did. And I just turned around and go, fuck off, you work in a bookshop. i <laughs> never failed art college, but I'm doing it. So just fuck yeah. off.
0: <laughs> I rid of all my
2: <laughs> angst and now I worked there
3: <laughs> I think most of the people I went to our college because like one of my best friends he actually finished it like um, I remember when he finished our college he just he, he hated doing art for a mm. while like he, he does it a bit now uh, he's actually the, um, we make here and he's in the band uh, 12 Gauge Outrage
0: Oh ah, yeah you did and, stuff uh, for them yeah.
3: so I, I went to our college with him like and he he fair play to him like he's he stuck out finishing it like but I'm not really aware of any people that did did finish the art course that are doing art now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in, I, in my I, painting like, class, there was. It was... I, that's what I'm doing now. It's it's, it's weird. Like there were there twenty
1: doing? people in my uh, there were twenty people in my art class, like in the, the painting uh, class, and we, we were told one. we were like they were like one of you, like statistically one of you will make it as an artist the rest of you will not like they, they just told us that flat out and they were right I think there's like one one girl who was in that class is now like in London as it working full-time as a painter yeah. because like if you're going to go down that route of like the whole you know like as a painter let's say like you're going to be broke for years like you're going to yeah. have to invest all of yourself into it all yeah. of your time all of your energy all your passion like everything put yourself into it be your art and your art will be you, whatever. Like, but like, no, not everyone can do that. I couldn't do that. Like I, I, I tried, like I've, mm-hmm. I've fallen in and out of like going back to painting and just like taking months of a break. And then that extends into years. And then I'll go back and I'll like have a burst mm-hmm. of creativity and then just like same thing yeah. again, just a lull.
2: Well, at, at the end of the day, whether you're doing art or if if you're like, you were talking to Olin two weeks ago from, man um, a Incarnate, I'd be talking to Mick Carey. Mick Carey will describe the joy and passion of playing guitar or writing a new riff the way I would talk about discovering a new technique in Photoshop.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? At the end of
2: the day, it's what, the, where, what is the spark of joy in what you're doing, you know? And um, there, just unfortunately, there, there's, there's methods of of, trying to, of breaking that out of you where you just don't come back from it. But I, th- I really do, as someone who teaches in art college, think that is definitely changing um i have seen massive leaps in just an openness and creativity recently in the last 10 years where it's just it's great to be teaching people and young people who have more information mm. like i would have never taught to turn around to one of those type of lecturers you're talking who who just kind of breaks your soul and turn around and go who the fuck is that person to judge me? And then you Google them and find their website. And go look at the shit they're putting out. Like I, you know, <laughs> yeah. we we would never have done that. But now my students can go and look at Stephen's website. They can look at mine when it's finished, and um, and they, and they they will challenge me. You know, and uh, I I love that. I think it's brilliant because I'm like that's ballsy. I like that, you know? Mm. And it's
1: funny, actually, you know, when you're just on about like, you know, like, like Mick being able to describe a rift to you and it, like I will always equate like music and art. They, they like, they're two things that are like so compatible. They go together. Like they, they fall into each other's worlds like so yeah. easily, like in the same, in the same way that like, I was just saying you, you could be successful. You, you could be doing something you love like artistically, like as an artist. And then you could take someone else who's, has the skills, has the the know-how, but they're working in advertising, let's say. like they're putting mm. all the creative creativity mm. into like making something that is completely joyous yeah. to them. the exact same way that you could have a musician who's like writing original music, loving life, and then you've got someone who's in a wedding band who just hates their life, but yeah. like loves the money. <laughs> you know it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. I
2: actually worked I worked in Kildare village um, for a year doing the graphic design there. And it wasn't my type of work at all, right? And and it was corporate design, but it was good money. But what I do like to tell my students about that whole experience, because it's great for you to teach that experience because uh, uh, they they're young, they're romanticising the idea of working as an artist in the real world. And be able to say, lads, you can have a high-paid job, but if you don't like it, you're going to spend it all on liquor, drugs or therapy just to try and get through your weekend, you know? <laughs> um, and we all know someone who does that, you know, yeah. who hates their job and they'll spend the whole weekend finding ways to forget about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'd rather be broke and happy.
0: It's a so. great relationship, though, for those that love music, because inevitably mm-hmm. they will love art as well. They will fixate on the latest album. They will talk about their first album that they held in their hand, which for me was Tin Lizzy and looking at Jim Fitzpatrick's artwork. Yeah. You know, you've got the Derek Riggs and Iron Maiden. I mean... There's an amazing association um, with music and particularly, I would say, the heavy metal community as well in relation to album art mm. and how an album should look, how it should sound, looking at the visual product on the front cover, you know? Um,
2: yeah, and it is great when you work. Uh, I find very inspiring when you work with a band. Like when Stephen's saying there and we were discussing, bands coming to you for your style, but sometimes a band will come to you and they, they'll have a brief And that will challenge you to do something you've never tried to accomplish in your own time or your own personal work. And that gets very exciting then as well, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, or or the project that you've always wanted to do will come along or a band will come along. Um, And I'm totally name dropping, but when Morbid Angel happened, I was like, Jesus, this is... Fuck. What am I supposed (laughs) to do here, you know? And um, that's why it took 10 months, because I I did, I don't know how many freaking drafts
0: and I remember, and it was, mixed. Can, it was can Mick. Can you remember Carey, actually, Perth- Ken, what the brief yeah. was with Marble Angel? Did they give you yeah, lyrics? The did they was, give you a theme or what? Or? The brief was it was going to be
2: a K because they go alphabetically. And it was going to be a red cover to something to do with a city. And it was ended up in Kingdom Sustained. But Mick Carey, I told Mick, uh, I'm working for a big band. Mick was working shop in Town. And he, kn- he knew because wor- I talked to him about Steve Tucker and Warfather and he'd give me a bit of tips and stuff. He knew straight away who was talking about mm. Mick. Did he just? He just went. It's morbid, is isn't it? And I was like, shh. <laughs> right? So anyway, he um Mick came outside of his work and had a fag, and he sat. He basically went right. He knew Trey Azagot, inside out, right? Mm. And the best bit, and the guys will get this as designers. The best bit he told me is wait till he gives you his thank you list. Five pages of thank yous. Chun Lee from. Uh, Street Fighter 2, the guy who made his BMX, his favourite amp. Um, just the, the most random of, like we talked about, him, he tanked every single influence. So you had all the lyrics, you had the paragraphs from the new drummer, maybe that much from Steve Tucker, and then five pages of Trey Azagot trying to thank everyone before oh. he put the sponsors in. That's why just 10 months and 10 pages of art. But um, Jesus Christ. I, did, I, I did a full 10 panels because the conversations just... I thought I was going to do a cover. I did the full ten panels of the demon coming out of the ground and walking across the landscape till on the back cover he's gone. So it was like an animated flip book. That was the idea. And um, one of the songs, the fifth song, um, I don't even remember the real name, the architects of something because I had only the project titles, but the lyrics actually just serendipitously were exactly what was happening with the narration of the front cover. And it all was right. and it was just based on conversations with Stephen and and Trey and emails. And um when it all came together, it was just like just mind-blowing. And um that was the, the biggest challenge. And looking back, you're kind of going, the amount of skills I learned, because when you said you want to do the cover, you're not gonna go, I'm sorry, I'm not skilled enough to do that. You're gonna go, yes, yes, I'll do that. And then you go learn the skills. <laughs> yeah. You know? And mm. so that's what happens, you know. Mm.
0: Steve, have I mean, you, I a very
1: similar thing. Sorry sorry. Yeah, sorry. sorry, sorry, no, 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 no sorry. I, I was just gonna say like like that. I think I mentioned it earlier, but like I this time I'm, I I will not name any names. But like, there's been a good few covers that I've done recently where the band will be like they'll have a very specific brief, and and I'll take a one direction, and then they'll be like, no, how about you change it to this this, and it ends up being a piece of work that I do not like at all. Like, but they love it, and like. I, I'm almost ashamed to like put my name to it sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't, I, I don't want this to be seen like, but they're like, oh, I fucking love it or whatever. Like, so it's a bit weird like that when you're trying to balance like yeah. your vision versus someone else's vision and like the output and the outcome. And yeah, yeah it's just, it's just really weird. And there's like some bands that will like, they'd be like, just do whatever you want. Like we've, we've no brief. Well, will just, here's the lyrics. Here's whatever, some reference imagery, yeah. but like it's entirely up to you. And yeah. then you come back with something with for them and they're like, nah, nah, that's not at all what we want. <laughs> like, but, but you didn't want anything. Like, you know, it's, it's a trying to balance that kind of thing. The, like, the hardest, the hardest
2: people to work with are, are people doing their first demo, their first EP or their first album, because they are so into the vision of who they want to be. They're so passionate and they take so much control over the work. And then you get someone like um, who's been doing it for 20 years, like, um, and, and then they just go, here's here's the brief, and you do it, and they go, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on. Cheers. Yeah. You
3: know? One thing I was hearing about, uh, just, you know, when you actually do a job like that, and you're like, you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, I hate this. If they, I only had a conversation with someone about this the other day where it's like, you might hate it, but if they like it, you've done your job. Like, that's what they hired you to do. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's yes. a success in that way. But you do want to love your own art, even when you do something Steve, do,
2: do you remember a guy on the community of design metal designers who came up and he wanted someone to do something so disgustingly visceral that I think it was even the artist from Cannibal Corpse said no? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, this guy came along and he basically, and he basically approached me about it at one stage because I said, what's it about? I was curious. I didn't, And then when he said it to me, I was like, I was a new father. And um, happily, in a relationship and he wanted something like uh, this: pregnant woman bursting open, and the fetus crawling across. And it was on a lovely beach, with this disgusting scene happening. And I was like, "Yeah, well," I, I said, "Joe, I'll reach out to one of the lads I know who might be able to get you an artist." Um, but I definitely wasn't going to do it, but um, it, just to find out that guys who do that visceral gore art didn't even want to do it was just like, that's yeah. just uh, mental, you know. Actually, one of the nicest guys to talk to, apart from Dean, Dean Simon I mentioned earlier, um, he's done artwork for uh, Stephen King book covers, and he's just in the know on the whole industry. But um, I don't know if you got to talk to him, uh, Stephen, but uh, Dusty Peterson, who's done loads of stuff with him and guy.
3: Yeah, yeah, Oh Some of his art is just, uh, I was only saying that, Demon stuff uh, is just brilliant. Like. Yeah, he put one up one day, and I was looking at it, and I was like, I actually, it's actually like nearly turning my stomach. But like that's it's like it's actually how that's how good yeah it is in a way it's like it's so disgusting it's like how you think was it the was one that so
2: the so demon disgusting. gently
3: stroking a wall made of
2: voice? And yeah I was his back. Back. yeah yeah I
3: was just like nah that's it's all the holes in his yeah his <laughs> like,
2: translucent no. skin is creepy as hell like you know
3: yeah but um, how- he, and do, you know, do
2: you know what his main job is then he's doing the trading cards for WWE for
0: wrestling yeah, yeah. You know? hell. <laughs> so and how do you feel then lads as artists um about we'll say bands that will go into pin interest and find these random like there's loads of art out there for sale for pittance and yeah the, the fiver mentality like yeah um does happen a fair bit i've noticed anyway that a lot of bands won't pay the artists in mm. uh, in Ireland for example and they'll just go through pin interest and find images there that they'll pay a fuck all for. And
2: If they're, if they're, come here, at the end of the day, one of my favourite quotes from an artist is Android Jones. He's a digital artist. And he said, if if he said, he said once in a a tutorial uh, lecture, he said, if it's not a hell yeah, it's fuck no. Right? No grey areas when you're trying to make decisions. And if a band is going to go on Pinterest and they're going to do that, they don't have the respect, uh, then you just don't want to work with them. Just they're not, don't waste your time. Because, mm-hmm. as most of the guys know probably, and I've talked to the big guys about this, metal art is about the passion, Um, it's not about a paycheck. There were there were not the Drew Struzan's who got five grand uh, back in 1970, whatever, to do the Alice Cooper album cover. Those days are gone because there's enough people out there doing Pinterest and Fiverr and Instagram filters and weirdness for Like, like, we're like, in that, like for you, you
1: can. Like you can tell where the passion's gone into a piece, you know, you can, you can tell immediately by looking at it. Uh, And then you can see other bands who are like, they just don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. They're just like, ah, whatever. We need something for a cover. So we'll just take this or whatever. That's going to reflect on the audience as well. Like someone, like someone like me, I I'm very critical when it comes to like, looking at artwork for bands. Like I'll, I'll either listen to them or not listen to them based on whatever the image is like. A lot of the time, not all the time, but like, you know, there's certain yeah. bands where just you just look at it, you're just like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: it's yeah. Like, yeah. When the guy, when the guy, when guys we know that you've talked to Richie who are passionate about their music and they sell a bit of march at a gig and they have a couple of bucks extra to spare, where does that go? You're going to find that McCary has a brand new BC Rich or something, or he'll kill me for saying BC Rich because it's probably a flying V at this stage.
0: No, but he's of,
2: look at my new guitar that I've got because I love what I do and I had a couple of extra bucks that's what mm. myself and Stephen kind of do we go I I, I went to a show in um, Germany and I sold a load of my prints to the He-Man fans and I bought myself an iPad
0: Yeah.
3: to do my work you know mm. um, I do think though as well with when it comes to all that stuff with the interesting like you know at the end of the day there's there, there are artists that are on Fiverr and then you can hire them to do an album for a Fiverr but like the that's all they'll. That's all they'll ever be. is fire yeah. art. It's like, yeah. whereas if someone really wants your artwork, they'll be like, oh, "I want Ken Goldman's artwork." They'll hire you, like, to do it. And not only that, I was saying it to someone on the that community of metal designers page one day. Uh, because like you know, someone he he was charging, like a, a lot less, and like I was like, for a logo design, and I was like, "I I do logo designs," and I was like, "I charge this much amount," and it's like, in the time it takes me to do one logo. You'd have to do ten logos to make that same amount of money. I know it's not about the money, but mm. yeah. Like, I remember right seeing the workload is like, well, yeah. you know. Do you, do you remember you're ever seen some of the younger guys? Do you ever seen
2: some of the younger guys? And there was a while there where uh, <laughs> on this group, they're like, "Oh, guys, it's great. I am booked up for the year." I'm like, "Yeah, but if you're only charging seventy quid to some young fella to do his album cover, uh, and you're booked up for the year." how much money do you actually have if this is your main job to actually put food on your table and pay your rent? And like, I'm just very fortunate. I have a full time job and I, and I teach Love what I do. I, I love what I do mm. and it all rolls around into the same thing. And not a lot of people can, uh, I'm just very lucky in that, but, um, there's, there's guys out there and, and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm booked up. I have 70 bands this year and I'm kind of, yeah, but is that actually sustainable? You know, and are you getting the monetary respect for your work mm. if
3: you want to be known? You have 70 bands, but you're probably going to get 700 euros because you're doing them all for a 10 like. Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. That's not yeah. even enough to buy, the, to, to pay your, your Photoshop subscription professionally for a year or. There
0: you go. Like it yeah. is,
2: it's 700 euros a year to pay for at all as a professional,
0: you oh. know? Mm.
2: There you yeah. go. And because it's subscription based on, um, your, well, you get all your updates. Um, some of the software, like uh, some of the three D software I have, can go up to two grand to buy, and and higher yeah. and higher, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that that's where people need to respect it as well, because if they go, but that's only really two or three buttons, or you can do that on Instagram. Then
0: yeah.
2: when you're talking about Pinterest, like when they, if that's the first conversation you're going
3: to have, then don't waste your time. Yeah. No, yeah, just what you were saying earlier, Ken, as well, is like some of these people as well, like if they came to you and tried to haggle you down to like, oh, can you do it for this? They're the one, they're always the people that like, they're the most hassle as clients. Yeah. Like, uh, that, one of the best album covers I've done for someone was, uh, it was this, that Swedish man, Sugar. And they literally like, you know, I was like, this is how much I charge. And like, cool. And they just sent it to me. And I was like, deadly. And I was like, what do you want this year? And they're like, uh, they had this idea of it was like a biomechanic kind of Vitruvian man. And I was like, I sent them a sketch, and they're like, "Yeah, cool." And I was like, "Yeah." Sent them kind of more finalized artwork. Is like, is do you want me to change that? No, oh, that's perfect. Thanks. Yeah, the amount <laughs> of memes I think we've all
2: shared. The amount of yeah. memes you shared about that showing a client who's like uh, twenty-seven emails, three hundred fifty dollars. A bang, sixty thousand dollars, one email, and a thumbs up. You know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what one thing I've I've really learned to stop doing as well. Uh, like I used to see people posting in like Facebook groups, like the doom groups or whatever, going like looking for an artist and there'd be loads of people tagging everyone or whatever every now and then I'd jump in and I'd be like, send them a message and say, you know, if you want to have a look, here's some sample stuff that I've done before. And you get locked into a conversation and they're like, can you send a sketch? And I'm like, okay, like I'll send you a sketch, but after that we're going to start talking money or whatever. Yeah. And they just lead you down this fucking rabbit hole of just like, oh, can you can you change this? Can you change that? I'm like, I'm not changing anything yeah. until we have some sort of agreement. And then you're basically doing work for free for them. And yeah. then it, it's, hap- it's happened to me once before where like the person has given the idea that I've done to an, another artist who's done it yeah. for cheaper or whatever. My anecdote... My, like, my
2: my anecdote to my students about that is, like, uh, I walk in when they're all in first and I go, has anyone got paid to do artwork? Or have you done a commission for someone? And they go, oh, yeah, I have. And I go, is there any chance you designed a tattoo for a friend? And a lot of them go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did your friend pay you for doing the tattoo? No. Did they pay the tattoo artist? Yeah. So the tattoo artist got paid for your artwork, but you didn't. And they go, shit, I never thought about that. <laughs> you're like, there you go. You know?
0: For people that are looking in here, starting with you, Kieran, how do you price your work? I mean, there's cost of material, the size of your artwork, the hours. Honestly, uh, I don't know. It it depends
1: on the artist as well. Um, for a lot of a lot of times like I've done some stuff for, let's say like Ken was saying earlier, bands doing their very first release or something like that. Like if I know that they are doing something like that, I know what it's like to be in a band. Yeah. And I know yeah. how money works. Like when it's like mm. four different people involved, they've all got four different financial situations, whatever. Like th- I think the lowest I've ever done was I did and al- <laughs> this is actually ridiculous saying this. I did like an album cover, a logo design and a merch design for 300 euro for like a band, um, which is oh, kind of a, meant- uh, ridiculous in a way. It was four in the band, like...
2: Yeah, if a band can't pay you 50, 50, 60 quid each, like, that's not fair, you know?
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. But, like, I I think at the time I was just like, "I'll, I'll do it or whatever. Like, and I didn't spend too much time on it either because I was, like, pretty stringent with... the the amount of time I was going to put in for that amount of money, you know, I was like, Mm -hmm. like 300 euros does sound like a lot, but like for the amount of work you're putting in, it's not Mm -hmm. really like, you Uh, know, you're spending hours and hours and hours just sitting there, just going over stuff and reworking it or whatever. But, um, I, I do tend to keep my work low because I just, uh, like the price low, because uh, I don't know, like, I I don't, I don't really feel like it, it is a really tough thing to do when you're an artist is putting a price on your own work. Um, especially if it is something that you enjoy doing as well, because you you almost feel guilty. You're like, sh- you shouldn't be charging too much for it. Yeah. But like, yeah. I think as time goes on and, and there's more demand for your work, obviously, yeah. like you're know, up the price. Like, but uh, for me, I I try and keep it low, low enough, <laughs> like low enough for for people to be able. I to... I
0: suppose another factor there that you're not saying is if you if you know the band themselves as uh, a yeah, yeah yeah can lads get mate rates. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If they ask for it, then you that's kind of a uh, if you know them slightly and ask for mate rates because they go, Oh, which are from Limerick 2 or something, <laughs> then that's a warning straight away. That's yes, a, red, yes, a red, light. there you, you know?
0: go, yeah, yeah, I you
2: know, but like that. If you have a young band, um, uh, one of my mates here in Limerick, Tom Collins, he's just this legendary sign writer, and I love working with him on stuff, hand painted signs for, for businesses, right? And he's just telling me there over Christmas that his son is in the band, he's getting into the rock and stuff, and I was like, Um. I said, if his band ever needs an album cover, you come knock it to me, right? I have no problem doing that for for, mm. for nothing because I just want to help out the young bands because I know what it's like. Mm. You know, they want to spend all their money on their gear, you know, and um, growing up their, their drums and their guitars. And and he was telling me stories about, you know, trying to borrow drum kits between bands because only one fella has the kit like because that's all he can afford. And... Um, like it's been a couple of years since I've worked with, um, because I'm teaching now full time and like I've been a dad for the last four years. So, Marvin Angel, he finished just as that began. But even um, back then, if the label is involved, if there's a label involved, you can talk properly with an agent. If it's just the band, like Karen said, they're keeping it low. If they are local, if you know the circumstances, that that all comes into play. Yeah, and if they can respect that's good to hear yeah but if they can respect your time timeline as well like there's mm-hmm. one thing is getting really good at what you do so you can do it fast but someone going sure you're able to do that in about 10 seconds
0: yeah and you're yeah, like but, but uh, it, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I think, I think, think one of the most is, important it's gonna it's gonna
3: take you 10 years to be able to, to do learn it. how to do it yeah. in 10 <laughs> seconds yeah
2: there's a song I'll send you
1: and
3: one of the most record.
2: important things uh,
1: to ask as well it's just just to ask straight up their deadline is like probably one of the first questions yeah, you need to deadline. ask always
3: budget deadline. Steve, yeah, I I think I remember when I was trying to figure out how, how to price things. I actually I had a, like another email account, heard, and I was just like, you know, what? I'm gonna fucking email a bunch of artists I like that are kind of similar to what I do. And that just- was you. yeah (laughs) i I just like just to price out like and i was like just to get a fucking idea of like you know i was like well what should i be charging and i kind of got a rough estimate and i was like you know i'll I'll stay around that kind of price and and then you know years go on sometimes you like you move up a bit because you're like you know i want to get a bit more on this kind of stuff or sometimes you might kind of go i'll charge a bit less on that (laughs) I,
2: i did the same thing I set
3: up yeah. a fake email and I saw t- all my favorite guys. Yeah, and I remember like, It was yeah. funny when I first started, because I, I just, I didn't think, I thought it was kind of a bit like rude or something. But then like, as I got older, I like, can, you know, sometimes I just see someone else, I just like I straight up ask, I was like, how much do you charge? And then like, sometimes you see like someone and you're like, you're looking at their stuff and you're like, they're fucking like way better than me. And you're like, and they're charging a lot less or something. You're like, you should charge mm-hmm. more, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, yeah, no, I, I try keep it, it depends if the, you have like a solo artist and it's the same thing where they only have like one or two albums out they're not a big band or anything like i i do ask them like do they have a budget and if they have a budget i try to work with that budget mm-hmm. if it's if it's lower than what i'd normally yeah. charge and i'm like actually look i have a bit of time mm-hmm. and you seem nice and all that mm-hmm. i like,
0: think a very yeah. relevant point there ken is if if there's a record label involved
2: well, I, I, and I read that from a magazine from uh, Radham was uh, I, I just read a lot of his articles in Advanced Photoshop Magazine years ago. And he said that he, it depends. Most big graphic designers will judge budget based on client, And if the client is, if it's Nike, you know, do you I, like the, the Nike logo was $150, the original designer. That's all she got for it. You know, and, and the way it is, it is how much is what you do worth to the company? And I don't mean monetary value. Imagine, like, you were going to charge someone to design the golden arches of McDonald's. You know, that level of symbolism. Mm. So, yeah, if there's a label involved, it's great. And if it is a small band, but they're as passionate as you are. Like, I had... Um, it, ne- it fell through, but I had a band from Paraguay get on to me, uh, and then lockdown happened. So I don't think... They were getting, um, they were getting an art fund in their country because the arts office in, in um, their country will actually fund metal bands. Mm. for production of album covers uh, for albums and uh, they were going to sing in their local dialects and I was like I don't even I don't care if they've only got 50 cents this would be so cool because my wife is Colombian to be able to go I did this for a band from Paraguay (laughs) and it's all local mythology and local language and it just sounded Mm. like one of the projects where they want to challenge you to do something Mm. that you never would have done on your own Mm. and so it's that kind of real kind of passionate factor comes into it quite mm-hmm. a lot, you know? Yeah.
0: People will always I know Karen, you're fed up with Facebook as a medium for promoting your material. Dedicated marketing efforts, how do you approach them? I actually like when it comes to like that that's actually all I'm using
1: Facebook now for would be like bands pu- like just publicizing stuff um mm. on various pages. But it, it is an awful, awful place to try and get it's reach. You know, it's it. it's a yeah, it's like the algorithms and when you post and when you you know what time you post yeah. and there it, has no, to be an image involved or it's not going to be yeah. seen or it like it's just it's ridiculous. Yes. You know it yourself, Richie, like mm. just from from probably posting the the
0: metal cell stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like it gets lost very easily. Mm. But I mean, have you thought about other ideas in relation to getting your stuff out there? Not really, no. Not, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm taking it handy with this. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm not going to go I'll full. give you a good example. Kelvin Doran. He's got a good handle on um, how he markets himself online. And uh, certainly he's getting a great reach as well. So someone like that who, who can land Macedon as I lay dying. How do you approach marketing your own material? I actually still think like some of the best
3: like marketing for you is actually word of mouth still. Yeah. In Ireland, yes. Correct. Even like, I've had like people like, even that fella, the the DJ uh, hyper that I did his artwork for, like that was the DJ Zardonicus is from like Venezuela, I think. Mm. So that was, it was still, even though it was like through uh, Instagram messaging and stuff, it was still word of mouth. He, he actually recommended them to me yeah. Dusty
2: Dusty said the same thing he said because he knows I do the pop culture stuff he says you need to get yourself to America and go to cons and meet people
3: yeah you know most I of my
2: students think. want to put up their stuff on ArtStation station and wait for someone to email them but you need to have the social skills you need to
3: build yeah. sure myself and y- yourself Ken actually had this conversation about like I don't think like I haven't really done a whole lot of like Irish metal band album covers mm-hmm. and it's like There's one side I was like, I wonder, you know, I was trying to think about like, why is that? And sometimes it's just like, well, because Ireland's such a small place, it's like, it's kind of like who you know. Because like a lot of people, like if in metal bands in Ireland anyway, they'll get someone's like, oh sure, his brother or he Mm. draws. So it's always, all the the bands that I've done artwork for, I'm like, in Ireland I, I know or I've met or I'm friends with.
2: Yeah. yeah, I, I, I might start when I was mid, midway through maybe in my twenties, doing a lot of work and people and a band would come along at the siege and like, and they'd be like uh, talking about new album like oh and then you kind of go do you need art and they go oh my brother uh, the drummer has Photoshop yeah it's like well can he use it <laughs> you know it's that's a different thing like you know yeah. Uh, yeah, well, well, we'll figure it out, like you know. So yeah, um, yeah there's a bit of that too, you know. Um, but you know what? I just figured years ago. I did the, I did the, um, what was it called? The Onion sequence, the Shardborn album in 2011. Yeah, I did their art, artwork and I did the original Cut demo. But then Shardborn were getting very successful in where they were, and they were able to reach out to the exact artists they wanted. Uh, Zell Cult did the same thing they got um, uh, the Paul Verardi they got the artist from Italy the oil painter to do Amazing, uh, yeah. I, I was still doing this InDesign stuff but they uh, they got this artist f- and then they got Mark Riddick um, to redesign their logo on yeah. the t-shirt I saw you wearing Richie in the yeah. the old episode um, and I at first I was like oh the lads don't want to ask me anymore I was like and, and, and then I was like, actually, if you turn this around, this is brilliant because everyone has gotten to a level that they can make those choices. They don't need to just get the fella they know down the road yeah. to do their artwork anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm doing certain things for people in different countries, making the boys or getting their man from Italy that they've always loved. And the Charbonne story is great because that artist never gives away his original paintings and they convinced him to sell the painting to them for their mother for the, uh, the yeah. twins from I, I actually it
1: was it was hanging up on the wall behind us when we were recording the Crows album there you go. yeah yeah it's so that was a
2: great story like because um, they're so they're, now that's a couple of boys who are so passionate about mm. what they do I remember when Kieran just was, uh, which band what song he just brings out a saxophone and starts playing a saxophone and I was like I didn't know he could do that you know yeah, so yeah I love that was for you
1: yeah
0: yeah, yeah they brilliant
1: <laughs> We were recording the album. And we we're like, "Jesus, this, this part would be class if it had a saxophone." And he just like took out a saxophone, just started playing. <laughs> it. We we're like, "All right, cool. That's on the album." <laughs>
0: yeah, there's quite a, a bit of a challenge then in relation for you to get new audiences in to get to know and like your work, lads. Um, it's just something for for you to think about. Mm. Um, it's a
2: balance of how much social media do you want to invest in? Like, a, it's like you got to cut through the noise. <clears throat> do you want to be do you like? Do you know? Like, do I want a Stephen Lindsay piece of artwork, or um, do I want some guy from Fiverr that there's fifty million of him? And um, I, well, I know who Stephen is, but if I found work online that I just Googled artwork and I went, "Wow, that's amazing," because that's just so original. Or and then you go research that artist, you know. Yeah. Um, my and my wife then- is actually studying um, the strategies of Pinterest because she said it's very. She's discovering how underused and undervalued it is. But it does feel like everyone's go to is um it is facebook and instagram and yeah. i've i've purposely so far stayed away from twitch because a lot of my students love twitch and there's live photoshop artists and stuff on twitch where do you find the time though
1: yeah you know? yeah that's what i was just about to say because again like the whole thing of hand in hand art and music like i think we all know bands that probably put out more memes and whatever like on on their social media then they put out music you know like and it's the same thing as being an artist like you could spend your days just like posting you know stuff about what you're doing throughout the day like uh, then actually concentrating on your art you know like it's it's mm. that balance of like are you, are you doing it just for the eyes on you or are you actually doing it because you want to put the work in like yeah and it's and the that, exact same that- thing really
2: that influencer culture is a little bit toxic in that way because yeah. people feel like if they if they if they have a bit of FOMO like fear of missing out, yeah. if they don't post something today, they're going to lose followers. And but yeah. what I've learned is the conversion rate. I, I'm a moderator on and this this is serious now, right? I'm a moderator on two He Man groups with oh, 60,000 <laughs> 60, people on each group, right? And then I look at someone who has a hundred thousand followers on Facebook. Now that person is 20. And, I, and they do their artwork and they put on Facebook. But everyone who's on their, their Instagram, sorry, is 20. Can that 20-year-old afford to buy their work? Probably not. But if you have a reach of 60,000 people on a Facebook page, all who are in their 40s in your demographic, all have a basement and loads of disposable cash for your artwork and the collectibles and framed pieces that are signed and that's what they want, are you not better off going... F- just getting the couple of emails from these guys who want to collect your work and become art collectors than having 250,000 people on your, on your Instagram who don't mm. want to pay you.
1: Mm. Yeah, like a, like a like isn't worth anything, you know?
2: No. A like is not a conversion.
0: I know, so- Karen, you were lucky enough as well to get um, your stuff displayed in an art gallery in Middleton. That was pretty cool. I think that's a handy way to embrace, we'll say, the community side of, of where you live and work with um, people that would be willing to display your art in maybe a coffee shop or stuff like that, yeah. or a restaurant? Like,
1: I, I think it was like my, I've had like three or four kind of solo exhibitions. But again, like it's really difficult for me to be able to separate what I do for like the, the illustration side of things versus like the art painting side of things. Like it, it's hard for me to separate. Like I have two Facebook pages, like one for paintings and then the other one for like band work and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and they, they are very different, like, but um, there is a crossover. And sometimes I'm like, should I be posting this on one or the other? Or, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. And and like you said, there's been so many things where I'm like, I, I've got loads of paintings that kind of cross over into, like, the, the weirder kind of occult a, a illustration stuff that I'm doing. Um, and, and would I'm, you I'm be like,
0: hesitant putting them on a gallery in a restaurant, for example? Yeah,
1: okay. yeah, yeah. I, w- I would be. But, like, at the same time, I know there's a lot of, like the likes of let's say alchemy coffee and cork or whatever, like would probably be the right place to put up that kind of artwork. And mm. it is just finding the right place because mm. like, I don't know, it was like, we were discussing earlier, just about the whole art world in general, like, and the, the art, art as an institution, like, and that whole, you know, the whole cork sniffer attitude and what is art and what constitutes art. And like some, someone might look at the band work that I do and they're like, that's not art. That's like, you know, Child's play or whatever, but then go in and look at a classically painted painting, and they'd be like, "That's art." So it's kind of it's finding. I don't know. if the crossover is strange. Like you know, you can mm. you can exist in kind of both worlds at the same time, I suppose. And it, for me, it's difficult to kind of separate them sometimes.
3: think yeah. about that, even just if you had, just even say on that that coffee shop thing you said you were saying, if you had like two, imagine if you had like two kind of like that coffee shops that were weird following your page they're more likely to actually buy your artwork off you than if you had like a thousand coffee shops all over the world that were just regular coffee shops following your artwork because they're just looking and go cool yeah yeah so you, you, it really depends like you know mm-hmm. like your your followers don't really mean nothing on facebook or instagram i don't think no. I was well, sometimes yeah. you're like a lot of fake accounts on this as well yeah <laughs> yeah you know, it's just like
0: the bots on Instagram. Um, and just frustrated in relation to your stuff, Steve. How you could get that out, even in printed form, and get it displayed? Because I mean, all it takes is maybe just to get one place to display that, and maybe you get a shitload of people really interested in it. Yeah. In relation to success you're having on Facebook, I mean, I've I've been looking at your stuff for ages, and man, you get like three or four fucking likes on it. I like my actual
3: art Facebook page. I've kind of just. It's nearly, like, abandoned at this stage. Yeah, like, I wouldn't blame
0: you, uh, man. There's no fucking I, I traffic it, on it. Like.
3: I have it set up that when it's, I post it's brutal. It on Instagram, yeah. it just automatically shares onto it. And, like, I don't, mm. I don't even click into it. It's kind oh, of it's into it and You'll see someone... Who have com- well, like, you might get one message that someone had commented on your artwork six months ago. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, yeah. thank you. I, <laughs> I remember, like, later. one day
1: one of the last things that I tried to do to like get some sort of engagement was to do like a competition. And I was like, you know, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, a t-shirt and a print or something like that. And I was like, ran the competition and whatever. Like there was a good few people mm. got involved in it or whatever, but the person who won it, like I contacted them. I'm like, you know, here's the, the t-shirt and the print that you won. They're just like, Oh, okay. No, thanks. No, nothing. And I was like, can I get your address to post it out to you? And they're just like, send me the address. And that was it. Yeah. Never heard anything weird. from them again. No thanks, actually, no nothing. So I was like, I "Fuck even, this! Like,
3: yeah. I, I'm not doing that again." What's funny is like I actually the, the most work I find on Facebook isn't from me posting on my page. It's it's from posting my artwork and like there's like you know say a, there's a page oh. for like it's like book authors yeah. who are looking yeah. mm. artists. And you post there, so you're more likely to find them there. Yeah, and yeah. It, like my as- Instagram, It's kind of just that's the one because you kind of do need a bit of social mm-hmm. media. Especially and it's not I, the designer
2: I, I, page either; it's the actual author page because that's the clients, you know. Yeah. So
1: and then... I find I find as well like places like Reddit. Like i never properly used Reddit until a, a while back. Like and the, when I got into it, like there's a there's a community for everything, like everything. So even if you did some artwork that's based on something very specific, you'll find a community that are into whatever subject that is. And if you just post yeah. it in there, like you, you'll get hundreds more people that would ever Good. engage with you on like Facebook or whatever, yeah. like.
0: Ken, one bit of advice for anybody yeah. starting out. Go. Um, one bit of advice is, yes. we, um, I know we're all approachable.
2: We're not these um, unapproachable artists that I grew up with in the 80s and 90s or photographers who didn't want to give away their, um, their techniques. Uh, it's one of the things I wanted to say. If there is any young, upcoming artists that anyone wants some Photoshop techniques or asking about gear or whatever, give us, throw us a Facebook message or whatever, you know?
0: Brilliant. And where can they find you? Oh, just by Art of Ken Coleman on Facebook. You'd nice find me there, no problem. Excellent. Ken, we'll leave you go. Thanks a million, man. Great talk to you guys. Yeah. Steve, one bit of advice for anyone
3: um, starting out. Starting out is just one thing I did actually when I was starting out doing the album covers is I just fucking did a load of album covers. I just, I gave myself a little project to try to do 30 album covers. So it's just, it's, it, uh, in a way, it's one of those kind of, you know, just just practice, but it is like, you know, it's like set something for yourself and then just keep doing keep at it keep at it and you'll actually you will see improvements like especially if you if you try to recreate an artwork from like the previous year you will see how much you've improved in a year okay code karen
1: yeah just like that practice like practice try and do something every day that you're like and especially do things that you're not comfortable with. I think certain people can fall into like just doing the same thing over and over again, and mm. you'll find you you'll find an awful lot of artists use the same imagery, the same repetition, the same color schemes, the same whatever. Challenge yourself and do something completely different. Like I think one of the one of the I I don't know where this idea came from, but like was it some psychologist or something said it before, or maybe someone else. It was like you know everyone is born an artist, like every single person is born an artist, and it's it's when it's when you lose that imagination that like you, you fall out of love with it or whatever. Like, but I think it's the people that continue to use that imagination are going to beco- go on to become like what we would call an artist or whatever, but but everyone is an artist. Like there's people that are like, how do you do what you do? It's like, well, you can do it as well. Like it's like, this yeah. didn't just come out of nowhere. This, this came from sitting down and putting work in like, and being interested in it and spending lots of time trying to hone it, like, and develop uh, so yeah that's, anyone that's anyone that wants to start it can start it they should start it and they should just do it every day
0: yeah both of you are approachable in relation to advice and anything yeah for, for those that yeah. are starting oh out. Yeah, yeah brilliant stuff Definitely. Okay, listen lads um, Stephen Lindsay of the Iron Parasite thanks a million for coming on the show yeah thanks and, for having me and Kieran of Obsidian Imagery thanks a million too cheers Richard. T- check out their websites check out their Instagram check out their Facebooks and um, lads, thanks again and crucially support your local medicine. Cheers. See you, man. See ya.